Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Acts, chapter 15, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. I ran across this story that I want to read to you, and... This story has nothing to do with my sermon, but I, as I was reading it this week, it just really, really ministered to me, and so I thought that I would share it with you, and uh, listen close. It's a story of a minister passing through his church in the middle of the day. He decided to pause by the altar and see who had come to pray. Well, just then the back door opened, a man came down the aisle. The minister frowned as he saw the man hadn't shaved in a while. His shirt was kind of shabby, and his coat was worn and frayed. The man knelt, he bowed his head, and then he rose and walked away. In the days that followed, each noontime came this chap. Each time he knelt just for a moment, a lunch pail in his lap. Well, the minister's suspicions grew, with robbery a main fear. He decided to stop the man and ask him, what are you doing here? Well, the old man said he worked down the road, lunch was a half hour, Lunchtime was his prayer time for finding strength and power. I stay only moments, see, because the factory is so far away. As I kneel here talking to the Lord, this is what I kind of say. I just came again to tell you, Lord, how happy I've been since we found each other's friendship and you took away my sin. Don't know much how to pray, but I think about you every day. So, Jesus, this is Jim. Checking in today. Well, the minister's feeling foolish told Jim that was fine. He told the man he was welcome to come and pray just any time. Time to go, Jim smiled, said thanks. He hurried to the door. The minister knelt at the altar. He'd never done that before. His cold heart melted and met with Jesus there. As the tears flowed in his heart, he repeated old Jim's prayer. I just came again to tell you, Lord, how happy I've been since we found each other's friendship and you took away my sin. I don't know much of how to pray, but I think about you every day. So, Jesus, this is me checking in today. Well, past noon one day, the minister noticed that old Jim hadn't come. As more days passed without Jim, he began to worry some. At the factory, he asked about him, learning he was ill. The hospital staff was worried. But he had given them a thrill. The week that Jim was with them brought changes in the ward. His smiles of joy were contagious. Changed people were his reward. The head nurse couldn't understand why Jim was so glad when no flowers, no calls, no cards came. Not a visitor he had. The minister stayed by his bed. He voiced the nurse's concern. No friends came to show they cared. He had nowhere to turn. Looking surprised, old Jim spoke up with a winsome smile. The nurse is wrong. She couldn't know. He's here every day. 
a dear friend of mine, you see. He sits right down, takes my hand, leans over and says to me, I just came again to tell you, Jim, how happy I have been since we found this friendship and I took away your sin. Always love to hear you pray. I think about you every day. And so, Jim, this is Jesus checking in today. I love that. Lord, we're checking in. Amen. Amen. Just checking in to hear the word. Lord, to get what your spirit reveals to us and teaches us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Acts chapter 15. If you haven't been with us, get your pen, get your pad. I got to talk quick. (laughs) Acts chapter 15, earlier last week, you know, there was a great work, a great move of God happening in the church at Antioch. The church in Antioch is a Gentile church. Paul and Barnabas had been traveling through the region of Galatia preaching sola gratia, grace alone, salvation by grace and grace only. Well, these men known as the Judaizers, they were going behind Paul and Barnabas as they traveled through the region of Galatia. Remember, Galatia is a region, not a city. It's a region, a territory with several cities within the region of Galatia. So Paul and Barnabas are traveling throughout the city. They're preaching God's grace, salvation through grace. Don't add anything to it. Don't take away from it. These Judaizers, these were men who believed God. They believed in salvation by grace. But they also added to the grace of God. The Judaizers would say, yes, we are saved by grace. But it's not grace alone, they would say. We need to also keep the laws of Moses and become circumcised. And they would say, unless they keep the laws of Moses and are circumcised, it is impossible to be saved, the Judaizers said. And so the church came together to discuss the situation, as you know, when they're debating. And finally, Peter stood up and he says, listen, guys, he says, God knows the heart. He says, and God has made no distinction between us and them. And Peter says that God gave them, the Gentiles, the Holy Spirit, just like he gave to us. And when God gave them, the Gentiles, the Holy Spirit, God at that point made one new man in Christ. And now we are no longer Jew and Gentile or even male and female or black or white. Now we are one in Christ. We are the family of God. Listen, you are sitting next to your brother and your sister. Like it or not? Don't say amen. Don't don't do that. Don't do that. Might get you hurt in church. Don't do it. You stuck with them. You will be with them through eternity. If you're in this room and you're a Christian, we're going to be together for eternity. Might as well start worshiping together, loving the Lord together right now. That's what we're going to be doing in heaven. You understand? And that's Peter's message. And after Peter stood up and Paul and Barnabas stood up and, you know, it looked like a testimony service or something. And Paul and Barnabas started talking about the miracles of God. 
They started talking about the grace of God and the things that they saw God do through miracles. And after Paul and Barnabas stood up, then James, the half-brother of the Lord, stood up and, and he said, I agree with Peter. And he says, not only is Peter right, but he also said the prophets in Amos chapter 9, you were with us, you know. He said the prophets also agree with what Peter and Paul and Barnabas are telling us. The fact that the Gentiles are going to be bought into this thing called the kingdom of God. And they're going to be saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. And so James says, listen, this is what we ought to do. Because they have this problem, they gather as a council, and this is what James said we ought to do. James said, let's not lay any other burden on them other than this. Look at chapter 15 and verses 19 and 20. James said, listen, this is what we ought to do. This is all they need to be, the Gentiles need to be concerned about. They should abstain from idolatry. They should abstain from fornication and they should abstain from things that are strangled and things that have blood in them. That's what they decided to do. Well, now notice what they do now is they send a letter to the Gentile churches via by hand of the leadership. Let's check it out. Acts chapter 15. Look at verse 22. Saints, if you're there, say amen. Amen. Then it pleased the apostles and the elders And the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul, Barnabas, namely Judas, who was also named Barsabas and Silas, leading men among the brethren. And they wrote this letter by them, the apostles, the elders and the brethren to the brethren who are of the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria and Cilicia. Greetings. Here's the body of the letter. Since we have heard in verse 24 that some who went out from us have troubled you with words unsettling your souls, saying you must be circumcised and keep the law to whom we gave no such commandment. It seemed good to us being assembled with one accord to send chosen men to you with our brethren, our beloved Barnabas and Paul. Isn't that interesting? Now they're calling Paul beloved. Remember, he was persecuting the church, and now the church sees him as beloved. Interesting. So we send to you the beloved Paul and Barnabas, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who will also report the same things by word of mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. Here it is, this is all you Gentile people need to be concerned about, that you abstain from the things offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. End of letter, farewell. Stop right there, give me your attention. The church in Jerusalem sends representatives, you listen, they send representatives, Paul, Barnabas, Barsabas, and Silas to the church at Antioch. And you want to notice in verse 29, they decided that the most important thing in this letter It is decided by the council and written in the letter that the most important thing for the church was simply three things. 
to abstain from idolatry, they should abstain from fornication and sexual immorality, and they should abstain from things that are strangled and of blood. They're saying, listen, to the church in Antioch, that's all that's necessary. Don't you find it interesting that they don't say, in order to be saved, you need to abstain from idols and sexual immorality and be baptized? Did you know they didn't say that? Why? Because baptism, saints, listen, does not save. I was just talking to a brother between services, and he told me, Pastor Ronnie, I remember when I was told that if I was not baptized, I would not be saved. That believing in Jesus was a part of it, but that I needed to also be baptized in order kind of to close the deal. The Bible does not teach that. Now, listen, I encourage you to be baptized because Jesus commanded it, but he did not link it to salvation. We got to be very, very careful. You know the story is the thief is on the cross. There's one on the right. There's one on the left. And one thief is mocking Jesus. And the other thief says, man, what's wrong with you? That's Rodney version. Man, what's wrong with you? Why are you mocking him? He looks at Jesus and says, hey, Jesus, would you remember me when you get to paradise? And Jesus looked at that thief and he said, what? Today you will be with me in paradise. He did not, saints, listen to me. He did not say, get down off the cross, go down, be baptized, get back up on the cross, and then you'll be saved. Say amen if you understand that. He didn't tell him that. He said, today you shall be with me in paradise. Should we be baptized? Absolutely. We have them a couple times a year, and, and they're wonderful. But listen, if you receive Christ as your Savior, and just by chance you just got saved, and you leave church, and you have a car accident, and Jesus uses that accident to take you to heaven, don't worry about your salvation. You're going to see Jesus face to face. The important thing is that you put your faith and trust not just believe in Jesus. Not Listen, believing in Jesus is not enough. What, Rodney? No, 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 no. Believing in him is not enough. Listen, everyone knows there was an historical Jesus. You can look in the encyclopedia and they'll tell you all about Jesus. The Bible doesn't tell you to believe in Jesus. The devils believe and they tremble. The devils are smarter than you. Because they believe and they shake because they know who he is. Believing in him is not enough. The Bible teaches that we are to put our trust and our faith in him and commit our lives to him. Demons don't do that. A bunch of people believe in Jesus. Take a microphone, get a camera, go out on the street and say, do you believe in Jesus? 95% of the people will tell you yes. Now, if you say, do you believe that Jesus was the son of God and that he's the only way to salvation? Probably 95% of the people will tell you no. So we got to be careful that we don't start linking things with salvation. Abstain from idols, sexual immorality, those are good things. Notice they don't say abstain from sexual, uh, sexual immorality and idols and tithe. Don't misunderstand me. Please tithe. Are you feeling me? 
Don't misunderstand me, but listen, tithing does not save you. Say amen, saints. Tithing does not save. They don't say believe in Jesus. They don't say abstain from idols and sexual immorality and quit smoking. I remember a time in the church where people were told that if you smoke, you are going to hell. This is what people were told. Listen, I don't recommend that you smoke. I think it's stupid. I mean, it causes cancer, gives you bad breath, yellow teeth. It's just dumb. It really is. It's nuts. I'm in Philly and I walk by a cigarette machine. I'm shocked. A pack of cigarettes costs $5.50. Look, it not only does it cause cancer, give you bad breath and yellow teeth, but it's expensive. <laughs> How much is a pack of cigarettes here in North Carolina? Oh, oh nobody don't know, right? Uh, oh, okay, it's like that, huh? Oh, see, y'all in church, now y'all don't know. Religious folks, you hear me? Everybody, all three services, I asked that question, everybody was like, I ain't saying, oh, you know, try to be all holy. But it's just nuts. It's crazy. None of these things, listen, we can't link them to salvation. Abstain from idols and sexual immorality and keep the Sabbath. Talking to a family member this past week and Seventh day Adventist goes to church on Sabbath which is Saturday for them, and keeping the Sabbath somehow is linked to salvation. You got to keep the Sabbath, they were trying to explain to me. I'm trying to explain to them, listen, you can't take a part of the law and choose to do just that. If you're going to keep the Sabbath, then keep the whole Sabbath. If you're going to keep the law, then you need to keep the whole law. Listen, the Sabbath actually runs from sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. If you're going to keep the Sabbath, you must work a six-day work week. Not five. Sabbath keepers. Not five days, six days. If you're going to keep the Sabbath every 50th, five-zero year, you must forgive all... All these things are, are, are associated with the law. You, every 50th year, you must forgive all debts. You're going to keep the law, then keep the law. Every 50 years, you have to forgive everybody that owes you money. Okay, let me know who you are, because I'm going to borrow money in the 49th year. <laughs> 50 years, I'm going to go, like, I don't owe you nothing. Because you're a Sabbath keeper. You're a law keeper, man. You understand, if you're going to do part of the law, then you just cannot be selective. My point is, if you want to keep the law in order to be saved, you must keep the whole law. Well, they tell the Gentiles in Antioch, in our text, to abstain from idolatry, fornication, and strangled things. Now, listen to me closely. These things relate to the moral law. These things do not relate to the ceremonial law. They relate to the moral law. And listen, the moral law is always good. The moral law is still good today. The moral law says that you shouldn't steal. You shouldn't commit adultery. You don't worship other gods. Love God and don't have other gods before me. Don't take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. That's the moral law. Here's the moral law. Kids, obey your parents. I love that one. 
Kids, obey your parents. All of these things are the moral law, and they are good, and they are still in place. So the Gentile Christians don't need to keep the ceremonial law. The moral law is still good. But although they weren't to be under the ceremonial law, you've got to understand that they were actually under a higher law. What do you mean, Rodney? The law of love is a higher law. It's a higher law. They were to walk in the law of love. That's what James is saying. And that's the core of what James is, is, is getting to. James says, listen, love your Jewish brothers, Gentile church in Antioch, love your Jewish brothers by voluntarily restricting your liberty and don't flaunt your freedom and forgo your privilege. Look, Gentile people, you can eat all the bacon you want. Gentile people, you can eat meat that isn't ceremonially clean. Of course you can. You're Gentiles, you're not Jews. But in order to walk in this higher law, y'all still listening? In order to walk in this higher law, this law of love, don't eat these things around your brothers to stumble them. See, saints, listen to me. Listen closely. I'm trying to move as quick as I can without confusing you. Listen, the Bible teaches we are free in Christ. To whom the Son sets free is what? Free we are free in Christ. We are free as Christians in every area. We are free from performance. We are free from the power and the penalty of sin. We are free from the stronghold of the devil. We are free from the stronghold of the flesh. To whom the Son sets free is free indeed. We are free, but saints understand something. We are also free to walk in love toward our brothers and our sisters. Freedom has its limits. Liberty has its limits. There are limits on liberty. Freedom, listen, this is what it doesn't mean. Freedom does not mean without restraint. Hey, you need to write that down. Freedom does not mean without restraint. Because freedom without restraint wouldn't be freedom. It would be suicide. What do you mean, Rodney? Well, suppose I take an airplane 10,000 feet in the air, and I decide today, you know, I want some freedom today. I think I'll jump out of this airplane without a parachute. Listen, that would not be freedom that would be suicide because you're going to die. Oh, you understand, freedom doesn't mean without restraint. There are limits on our freedom. And those limits are two things, saints. Number one, the word of God. And number two, love of people. The word of God and love of people. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, perhaps you know it, says, for you, brethren, have been called to liberty, y'all mind reading that with me? For you, brethren, have been called to liberty, only do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. We are to walk in the law of love. 
we don't have the liberty. We've been talking about freedom here at Calvary Chapel. And, and I love that song. Freedom reigns in this place. Showers of mercy and grace. Falling on every face. There is freedom. There is freedom. There is freedom. And we've been talking about freedom. We've been talking about people in, in, in putting legalism and, 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 and burdens on the church and the questions of can Christians dance and can Christians go to the movies and can Christians drink alcohol and can Christians smoke. And we've been talking about all of these things. And we have freedom. Listen, you are free to drink a glass of alcohol, a glass of wine with your dinner. You are free to do that. But if you have the liberty or the freedom to drink a glass of wine, have that liberty to yourself if you are around a brother or a sister who is stumbled by that. Then you're not free. You see, we think that I can do whatever I want. I'm grown. Y'all know. I can do whatever I want to do. No, you can't. That's not true. We need to walk in love for our brothers. So if you have the liberty to drink a glass of wine, that's fine. But if you know that there's a weaker brother coming over the house who does not drink wine and who would be stumbled by that, then you don't drink it in front of him. You don't go, well, you know what? That's my house. I can drink whatever I want. I'm going to have me a glass of wine. No, you don't do that. You put the bottles away, like y'all do when I come over for dinner. <laughs> y'all know how y'all do? You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.